Jesus gave purpose to his disciples, calling them to live above and beyond their present experience. He's also calling us to the same purpose. Today, we'll be looking at two things we need to know to stay focused on God's purpose for our lives. This message is the fifth in the series, Take Hold of True Greatness. The message is entitled, Stay Focused. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're involved in this series of messages this fall called Taking Hold. I want to talk to you tonight about uh, not only taking hold of your purpose, but how to stay focused as it comes to the purpose of God for your life. You know, your success in life is going to be determined by what you take hold of or what takes hold of you. Whatever you're passionate about and what you're able to grab hold of in life is going to make a difference in where you end up in life. We've been talking about this whole idea of taking hold of God's purpose for your life because God made you. Every person here, he made you with a purpose and for a purpose. You're not an accident. That when God puts you on the planet, he did so with, with an intention, with a design in mind. There's something that he wants you to be and something that he wants you to do with your life. And when you begin to discover that purpose for your life, everything changes because you're, you're radically transformed by Jesus' purpose, radically transformed by God's purpose for your life. And last weekend we talked about the fact that, that if we're going to fully understand God's purpose for our lives, we have to understand God's purpose in the world. And I talked about five things that God is up to in the world and how we need to know God's work so that we can understand what our work needs to be in the context of His work. And so your purpose is discovered when you begin to find and fulfill and get involved in the purpose of God. And we talked also about the fact that your purpose is fulfilled in community. And so you have to live it out in the life of people around you. I want to talk tonight about two more things that will help us to understand how to get focused on the purpose of God for our lives and how to stay focused. I don't know about you, but uh, focus sometimes is a challenge. Is it for you? To get focused, and even when you get focused, to stay focused? And focus is one of those key things of life that provides really impact and power. If you can get focused on anything in life, whether it's your studies or your work or whatever, your spiritual life, whatever it is, when you become focused on it, it brings a great power and impact to that area. So how do you get focused and how do you stay focused when it comes to the purpose of God in your life? Here are two things this weekend that will help us to do that. Number one, you must understand this, that your purpose is about who and what you are more than what you do. This will help you to stay focused when you realize that your whole purpose that God created you to to exist for, that purpose is really discovered by finding out who you are, discovering in God who you are, developing who you are more than what you do. Being comes before doing. Say that with me. Being comes before doing. Always through the Bible, being comes before doing. For most of us, when we think about purpose, here's what we think about. We think about our place, that is where we live. We think about our position, what position we might hold in our job or in the church or or perhaps, perhaps what occupation we have in life. We think in terms of what we are doing. We think in terms of work. But according to the Bible, your purpose is more focused upon what you are becoming, what you're becoming as a person and the character of your life. And I I will assure you that you will find God's will for your life a lot faster if you focus on what you're becoming more than what you're doing. This is found in the story of the disciples. We've been talking about Peter, Andrew, James, and John from Matthew chapter 4 for the last several weeks. I want to draw your attention back to them again this weekend. I want you to see how Jesus focused them on what they were becoming and what he wanted them to become. I'll read for, from, from verse, uh, chapter 4, Matthew, beginning in verse number 18 down through verse 22. 
And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is early on in his ministry, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were, what were they? Fishermen. Notice that. They were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Say that together with me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they were fishermen, and Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you into fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is a radical moment for four guys, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Jesus comes by. They're doing what they normally do every day, fishing. They're catching fish for their family. They're, they're involved in their business. And Jesus says, I know that you're a fisherman, but I want you to come and follow me because I'm going to make you into something different. I'm going to move you from being a fisherman of fish to becoming a fisherman of men. And there in that moment, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they discovered purpose. God gave them purpose for their life. They discovered that their purpose was in Jesus. And the Scripture says that they left everything immediately and began to follow Him. The word that I want you to notice tonight, though, is a very important little word. It's the word make. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. That word make is a very important word because making is not something that happens instantaneously. Making always involves time and process. Always involves time and process. Last night, I got home from a, an event that I'd been involved in this week uh, for a busy, fair, fairly busy week and got in uh, for, for dinner time last night. And my wife said, I'm going to make you something special. That was exciting. But the problem was it took time to make it, okay? And so she's got it in the oven, and she's making this for me. But I'm, I'm wanting it right then. Anybody know what I'm talking about, okay? I don't want to wait for it to be made. I want you to, like, go, shoop, shoop, boom, there it is, okay? But it took some time, and then after she made it, I had to wait until it was cool enough to eat it, okay? And so I have to go through this process, and none of us like the making process. We like the instant stuff. We like things that sort of you pop it in. We want the Pop-Tart life, don't we, okay? Just give me the Pop-Tart life. About three seconds, I'm done. Everything's good, okay? But we understand that in God, God doesn't lead us into a Pop-Tart life, okay? God's life for you and God's will for you and God's purpose for you is that He's going to make you into something. He's going to form you into something. That involves teaching and training, and it always involves time. Now, go back to these four guys again, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Great guys, obviously. Good guys, they were, they were responsible men. And then Jesus comes along and says, I know that you know how to fish for fish, but I also know what you're not. You're not yet fishermen of men. And so I'm going to take you through a process where I'm going to teach you things and grow your character and change you in such a way, change your thinking, your heart, everything about you. I'm going to change you in such a way so that you'll no longer be fishermen of fish, but you will learn to actually fish for people and fish for men. This is not unusual. See, it took them through a process of time with Jesus to learn this, and they have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do this, and there are a variety of things that happen before they actually become the evangelists that we know them to be. And this whole process of making is not foreign in the Bible. In fact, all through the pages of God's Word, you see God taking people where they are and saying, my will for you is to take you to another place in your life, but that involves changing you. It's not about what you do. It's about what you are. It's about being before doing. Think about Abraham. 
God gave Abraham this amazing promise in Genesis chapter 12. He said to Abraham, I am going to make you the father of a great nation. Now, at that point in time, Abraham did not have any children at all. Now, if God says to you, I'm going to make you a father of a great nation, what are you expecting to happen very quickly? What? You can talk back. It's okay. I know. You're going to have kids, right? And so if God says, here's my promise, I'm going to make you a father, all you hear is father, right? And so your, your anticipation is very quickly, I'm going to have a child and it's going to likely be a son because there's going to be a nation that will come out of it. And so I'm sure that immediately Abraham's mind went to, oh, wow, this is fantastic. God told me he's going to make me a father of a great nation. And I'm sure that he was anticipating that occurring very, very quickly. But if you know anything about the story of Abraham, you realize that it was 25 years later that God gave Abraham Isaac. Think about what was God doing with Abraham for those 25 years? God was making Abraham a father so that when he had his son, he would not mess it up. Right? Think about it in your life. That God says, my purpose for you, you think it's all about something you're going to do, and yes, there are things you will do, but understand God says that my purpose for you is to make you into something so that you, when you get to the work I want you to do, you will not mess it up. So you'll be prepared to do what I'm wanting you to do with your life. Let's talk about Joseph for a moment. This great Joseph, when he was 17 years of age, he has this amazing dream. Anybody remember what the dream was? He has multiple dreams. He dreams actually the basic uh, bottom line of the dream was that his brothers were going to bow down and worship him, if you will, or bow down before him and submit to him as a ruler. And he was going to be a ruler, a great ruler. And he's anticipating because God gave him this dream. He's expecting that everything's going to happen very quickly. But it did not happen quickly. You can read about this again in the book of Genesis where over a period of 13 years, God takes Joseph through a process of making him. He takes him through a lot of ups and downs and difficult circumstances, and it's only when he's 30 years of age, 13 years later, that he actually has this opportunity to fulfill the destiny that God had for his life. Let's talk about Moses for a moment. Moses grew up in Egypt. He was anticipating being the deliverer of the Hebrew children out of Egypt until one day he kills an Egyptian, and he realizes, I've got to run for my life or else I'm going to be put into prison here, and he flees, and the Bible says of Moses, he spends 40 years in the backside of a desert taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Now, 40 years taking care of sheep is a long time, isn't it? And so he's back there in the desert taking care of sheep. By the time that 40 years pass, when he sees the burning bush and God says, Moses, I want you to go now and lead my children, uh, the Hebrews, out of Egyptian slavery, Moses said, not me, I'm not capable. So what had happened is that over that 40 years, Moses had found his point of humility and trust and confidence and developed a deeper relationship with God so he was now at a place where God could use him. But it took those 40 years. Even Jesus, think about this. This. Even Jesus spent 30 years on earth being prepared. Think about this for three years of ministry. Think about it. Here is Jesus. He's born of the Virgin Mary. He comes into the world, and he's, he doesn't start his ministry until he's 30 years of age, and then he only spends three years. Now, if I were God, I would flip that around. How about you? Three years of preparation, 30 years of ministry. But God thinks differently than we think. God says, no, I'm going to give you 30 years of preparation because, listen, if you let God make you, 
whatever time it takes, then God can use you dramatically in whatever shorter period of time you may perceive you have. Because what you understand is God gets a hold of you. He begins a process of making you into something you could be no other way. Now, here's the key point for you. I'm going to ask you to read it. It's on your notes. I want you to read it with me aloud and loudly together. It starts with the phrase, the reason. Here we go. The reason many people never discover their highest purpose in God's plan is because they continually avoid or ignore God's attempt to work on their character. The reason that most people never make it to the place where God wants them to be is they continually either ignore or run away from, if you will, God's attempt to work on their character. I will say it this way, when you run or resist, you miss. When you run or you resist, you miss. Anytime you run from God or resist God, you're going to miss God's best in your life. Now, is the shaping of character easy? No. Is the forging of iron easy? No. It requires a lot of heat and pressure. And all. I mean, to make a diamond, it requires a lot of pressure, a lot of things that happen. And so when you undergo stuff in your life, you realize, you know what? God is making me because my purpose is not about what, only what I do. My purpose is about what I am. Amen? And so it really helps you to stay focused throughout life because life will have its ups and downs. Life will have its challenges. Life will have its tribulations. It's tough times. And if you I don't understand this, we will bail out in those very significant times where God is trying to make us into something. Don't run and don't resist. Say it with me, don't run and don't resist. Number two, the second thing you must understand to stay focused is to realize this, that the devil wants to distract and he wants to derail you from God's design purpose for your life. There is a devil and he is real. You must understand that there are demonic forces that are very real. And the devil does not want you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. He is your enemy. Do you understand that? He's God's enemy, first and foremost. And because you now, as a Christian believer, have relationship with God, he is your enemy. I'm going to read you a verse in a few moments that will help us to be reminded of that. But the devil is your enemy. And so as you're seeking to be made into God's image and Christ's likeness and becoming the person that God wants you to be so that you can be used most effectively by him, there's an adversary called the devil that wants to derail you and wants to distract you from that purpose. He wants to disorient your life in some way. He wants to steal your focus. The Bible is very clear also about this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's giving him instructions as an apostle to a pastor. This is one of the pastoral letters, and so he's writing to Timothy, helping this pastor to understand something about pastoring people. And he says this, in humility, says Timothy, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses. Notice that phrase, come to their senses, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, in your ministry, you're going to encounter people who have been taken, have been snared by the adversary, who've been taken captive to do Satan's will rather than God's will. And I never want that to be said of me. How about you? I never want to be doing the enemy's will. I want to be doing God's will. How about you? You know, you can be a Christian and be doing the enemy's will. You see that in the Bible? Oh, they're Christians that do a lot of the devil's work for him. 
There are a lot of Christians who get engaged in attitudes and actions and stuff in their life, and before long they've been snared by the enemy, and instead of serving God's purpose, they're actually serving the devil's purpose. Now, they wouldn't come out and say that many times, and often, usually is the case, they don't even realize that it's happening to them, but they've actually been taken captive by the enemy, by the adversary, to do his will, and they are snared in their life from God's purpose. They're hindered from the purpose of God. We don't want that to happen. Amen? I don't want that in my life. How about you? Amen? Don't want it to happen. So I need to be aware of the snares. How about you? If I don't know what the snares are, then I can get snared, okay? If I don't realize where the traps are, I can get trapped. And so I'm going to give you six ways the devil will steal your focus, six ways he he ensnares us that you need to always be aware of and on guard regarding. Number one, he does it through deception. There are a lot of things I could talk about related to deception. The devil is a liar, the Bible says very clearly. He never tells the truth. Anytime the adversary speaks, it's always a lie. He cannot tell the truth. He's a deceiver. goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. You see him deceiving Adam and Eve in the garden. But when it comes to the purpose of God in your life, there are many ways the enemy will try to deceive you. One of the ways that he deceives people is by convincing them of false ideas about their purpose. He'll try to cause you to want to uh, be someone else or do something else than you were meant to be or do. I don't know how many times over the years I've met people before that they, they got so distracted about thinking that God wanted them to do something and they really weren't necessarily equipped or called for that, but they spent all of their time and energy trying to be that when what they really needed to be was just who God made them to be and fit the mold and the responsibilities that God actually had for them. And, and the enemy loves to come along and pull you away and distract you over here and deceive you and make you think that's where you ought to be working or doing or things for your life, deception. And, and you realize and over time, you realize that's not really you. See, God made you you, amen? Okay. And the only person you can be is you, right? And when you try to be somebody else, guess what happens? When you try to do the ministry that somebody else is called to do, what's going to happen? You can't do it. And so the most important thing in life is to get comfortable with the person God made you to be, okay? You don't have to be anybody else. Isn't that great to know? You don't have to be anybody else. All you have to be is the you God made you to be. And the devil is always trying to get you to be somebody else, okay? To be like, and, and, and again, this doesn't mean that you can't emulate other people and learn from other people and gain from their example and the, the things that are positive in their life. But the most important thing for you is to be you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's important for you to be you. Go ahead and tell them, it's important for you to be you, okay? Now, you're, you're supposed to be the, you, the Jesus you, okay, right? Not the carnal you, but the Jesus you. It's important for you to be you. And the enemy likes to deceive and try to get you focused on being somebody other than you really are. And so remember that God made you you. Isn't that great to know? And you don't have, you're, 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 you're beautiful as God made you. The second thing that the enemy uses to try to snare people is complacency. Complacency is, is just a place of kind of getting comfortable. Actually, it's more than that. It's being lazy or passive. It's procrastinating things in your life that represent a lack of your attention to what I would call personal growth and development. See, the enemy would like to keep you from growing. Amen? Because although you are you, you need to grow, right? 
Because being you, if you're going to be everything that God wants you to be, you can't be all that you're called to be unless you grow and develop, okay? So the first thing, he's trying to get you to be somebody you're not, okay? Because if you're always trying to be somebody you're not, then obviously you're not going to grow because you're spending your energy focusing on them. And then when you actually come to the place, okay, I'm me, I guess, that's who I am, then he tries to convince you that just settle back, don't worry, you don't have to grow. And he puts you in this spirit of complacency where you don't have any, any sense of motivation to grow your life. And I want to challenge you. One of the greatest things you can ever develop in your life is a spirit that says, you know what? I am going to grow. Amen? I'm going to be a growing Christian. And I will tell you the responsibility for your spiritual growth is not somebody else's. It's your own. Who's responsible for your spiritual growth? Me, the pastor? No, I'm not responsible for your spiritual growth. I'm responsible to help you grow and to feed you God's Word. But at the end of the day, you have to make the choice of saying, I am going to grow. And the enemy would love to make you lazy and complacent and comfortable where you are. Listen, there is more for you in Jesus' name, okay? But you've got to grow into it, okay? There's more for you, but you have to grow into it. Don't be complacent. The third snare of the adversary is comparison. It's very similar to the first one I talked about, but there's a little different angle here. Comparison is like, okay, I am me, but I sure wish I was them. You kind of say, okay, I'm okay with me. I know I'm me, but boy, why can't I have what they have? Why can't I have the opportunities they have? Why can't I have the relationships they have? Why can't I not have the stuff they have? Why can't I have the, 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 the open doors or whatever it might be that you look at in somebody else's life and there's this little bit of envy or significant amount of envy and jealousy that rises in you? Again, what happens is you may be comfortable at some level being you, but you're still looking around you and as long as you're comparing yourself and your lot in life with somebody else's, again, you're never going to grow. You'll never focus in as you need to stay focused. So we're, all, we're talking about being focused in your life. So focus is removed when you compare yourself with others. Let me encourage you, stop worrying about what's going on with other people, okay? Remember that some things just not your business, all right? Good. And what's important to you is to pay attention to what is your business. What is your business in your life? I've learned in my life I have a whole lot more to deal with myself. I don't really have a lot of time to fix everybody else in the whole world or to worry about what everybody else has going on in their lives. I have to make the choice of saying, you know what? I'm going to focus in on who I am, what God has called me to be, and be the best that I possibly can be in those things in my life and not compare myself with others around me. Amen? Number four, the fourth thing. How does the enemy trap you? It's through busyness. Oftentimes, the enemy will occupy you with things that are not critical and things that are not valuable just to get your time filled up with things that have no significance for you so that you have no time for the things that really are significant. Does anyone recognize the name Corey Ten Boom? Remember that name? If you don't know the name Corey Ten Boom, you need to learn that name. Go home tonight and Google the name Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a great uh, person that helped during the Second World War uh, protect Jews. Uh, her and her family did, and she was taken to one of the concentration camps, and her sister was killed there uh, by the Nazis, and she survived. And as a Christian believer, had a, an amazing testimony. I had the privilege, actually, of hearing her personally uh, before she passed on and went to Jesus. And she was a, just a great, godly woman. And she made this statement. She said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. 
You hear that? If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Why? Why did she say that? Why would she say, why would this godly lady say something like that? Because she realized over time that the enemy loves to fill up your life with fluff that doesn't matter at the end of the day. And we spend all of our time and all of our energy on things that really, really doesn't matter. And what happens when you get busy with those things, where does your focus go? Completely out the window. You, you lose focus on the things that really, really matter, okay? Number five, fifth thing. I'm going to use a word that I've already used here. It's kind of a general word, and I'll explain it for you. The enemy likes to trap you with traps. Kind of sounds redundant, doesn't it? Trap you with traps. So let me tell you what those traps are, the traps of temptation. Every one of us have stuff in our life where we, are, we have weaknesses, we have vulnerabilities, we have things that we are able to be tempted by. That's part of the human plight. There's not a single person here in this room today that's, not be, that's beyond temptation. You understand that? Okay. No matter how many years you've walked with Jesus, how long you've known him, every person here, you are vulnerable to temptation. And the time that you will get, the time that temptation will sneak up on you most is when you think that you're okay, when you think that you have the ability to withstand it. The Bible says, let him who stands take heed lest he fall. So the most important role that we can take in life, attitude toward temptation, is to be vigilant all the time because it doesn't matter how long you walk with Jesus, you've got to stay on guard. Say it with me, stay on guard. Why? Because there's an adversary trying to draw us away from, from the purposes of God by way of temptation. Temptation are those things that are contrary to the will of God, contrary to the Word of God, f- that, that, that focus in upon our own carnal natures, our own carnal orientation. So we have to be careful and guard against temptation. The last one I will give you here, it's a trap that will keep you from staying focused, that is separation, separation. I'm going to review all these again in just a moment. I just want to give them to you quickly here. Separation. The enemy likes to get you agitated at other people. He loves to get you agitated at other people. Because if he can get you upset with somebody else and carrying anger inside of you and hurt inside of you and frustration inside of you toward another person, when you get focused against another person or get something in in your system against or in tension with another person, have you noticed how it takes your focus just radically away from things that really matter? It consumes you, okay? It just eats you up on the inside. You may not even consciously be aware of it all the time, but it's draining your emotional energy. So you only have a certain amount of emotional, relational energy. And so what happens when you have things out of whack in a relationship, even when you're not consciously thinking of it, it's draining energy from you. It's affecting your life. And so the enemy loves to cause division. He loves to cause strife. The enemy loves to mess with your relationships, okay? And there's not a single person in here that you're, that, again, that you are, that you're not vulnerable to, to, to the enemy messing around with your relationships. But here's how you protect yourself. Are you ready for this? The way you protect yourself is to make the choice of saying, I'm going to always live with a spirit of forgiveness. Okay? Because that is your protection because the enemy comes along and messes with people in your life and people around. Anybody had just a little bit of mess going on in a, in a relationship recently? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Look around. Look at all the people. 
The enemy loves to mess around with your relationships. But here's how you don't get sucked into that. Because, again, if you do, your focus on God's purpose for your life is lost. But the way that you don't, you're not sucked into that is by saying, you know what? Whatever people do to me, at the end of the day, what I'm going to do is make sure that I'm on my knees before God, asking not only God to cleanse from me and teach me the things I need to learn from it, but also releasing forgiveness toward them. I choose not to hold an offense toward people. How about you? Amen? Because when I choose not to hold an offense toward anyone, that it keeps my heart clean. I don't give the adversary any place inside of me. And whatever is going on in the relationships around me doesn't have to cause me to lose the focus of my life. So let's go back over these six again. I want you to say all six with me because I don't want you to, be, to have the enemy stealing your focus from you. Number one is deception. That is, he'll try to make you into somebody you're really not. So the important thing is to be you. Number two is Complacency. You'll try to settle you in so that you're just not growing. See, you can be the you that you're supposed to be, but you still need to grow, so don't be complacent. Number three, comparison. That is taking a look at other people and being concerned about their opportunities, their abilities, and being upset about that, distracted by it. Number four, busyness. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Number five, traps. as traps of temptation, whatever it might pull on your life to be vigilant regarding it, and then traps of Separation, separation, strife, and offense, division, isolation in your life. First Peter 5, verse 8. Read it together with me. We're just about done here tonight. Read together loud and loudly. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. James 1.16, read with me. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't let the devil distract you or derail you from God's purpose. What is God's purpose for your life? It's first and foremost making you into something. It's about being, not doing And when you focus on that and stay focused, God's able to work in your life to fulfill His divine purpose for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word this evening. Thank You for speaking to us. We ask in these next few moments, as we come to this time of decision tonight, we ask if there's anyone here who's never given their life to Christ, that this would be the moment they would open up their heart and their life to You. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name.
If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.